that have been working on putting up the playground. I tell you, it is a confession of um, magnificent ignorance on my part. But I expected the playground to get here and be like this giant box of Legos we all just went out and put together, and it would kind of be as easy as that. Turns out it's far more sophisticated than Tinker Toys or Legos. There's actually a lot to it that I'm not even going to try to explain, or I'll just look more ignorant. So, uh, so thankful for the guys that are, that are working on that and putting it together. Um, yeah, it's getting close. Also thankful for our Kids Zone volunteers that are working with the kids this morning and our nursery workers. Americans spend more on lottery tickets than movies, video games, music, sporting events, and books combined. I had to read that twice. Uh, especially the last word, combined. And who buys them? Mostly poor people. The lowest income households in the U.S. on average spend $412 a year on lotto tickets. Four times the amount those in the highest income groups. 40% of Americans cannot come up with $400 in an emergency. Some of you have already drawn the line from one to the other, but which is to say those buying $400 in lottery tickets are by and large the same people who say they couldn't come up with $400 in an emergency. This morning we're talking about wisdom and folly. And in your mind right now, would it be wisdom or folly to buy lottery tickets? I think most of you, most of you would put lottery tickets in the folly category. But the wrong thing to do would be to say, or the, maybe the unhelpful way to look at this would be to say, I'm glad I don't have any folly in my life, that if someone ever studied, they could look at my life and say, what on earth are they doing with that? I think the right way to look, the wise way to look at this is to look at this and see how capable each of us are of making very foolish decisions. So that's kind of my goal this morning is to help us really hate the voice of folly and love the voice of wisdom. I, I think the burden of the book of Ecclesiastes is that life is too short for foolish decisions. Life is too short to be wasted on folly. So, this is what we're doing. We're working through the book of Ecclesiastes, and we are in chapter 10 now. So, um, you can turn there with me, and I will pray, and then we'll jump in. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask that you would help us see the folly in our own lives, and help us hate it, and learn to love wisdom. Lord, I pray that you would pull us close to yourself today. Lord, stand in front of me while I'm in front of them. Talk over me while I talk to them. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we'll begin with five characteristics of folly to help us understand what folly is, and then we'll go from there. So, 
Here is the first characteristic of folly. Number one, dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. That's quite the picture, isn't it? (laughs) Dead flies in the ointment kind of take away the greatness of the ointment, even though they're light. There might be a lot more ointment than fly. You know, there might be a lot of ointment, just a few flies, and still the flies kind of ruin it for you. Few flies go a long ways when it comes to ointment. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Like, you don't have to do too many foolish things to outweigh a lot of wise and honorable things. Hey, have you ever seen an example of that? Maybe, maybe on the news, maybe in real life, maybe someone that's lived a pretty wise pretty honorable life for quite a while. They do one foolish thing, and what is on the 24-hour news feeds? The one foolish thing. A little folly goes a long ways. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right and a fool's heart to the left. So think of Jesus putting, putting the sheep on the right and the goats on the left, and you think of think of left being something that is bad and right being something that is good, so a fool's heart pulls him in the wrong direction. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense and says to everyone that he is a fool. Now, he may not come out and go, I am a fool, but when you hear him talking, you go, that's a fool. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place For calmness will lay great offense to rest. In other words, please keep your head. Fools lose their head. Please keep your head. So first characteristic of folly is that it stinks, like flies in the ointment. Little folly goes a long ways. It's like a little bit of ketchup on a white shirt goes a long ways. A little bit of folly in your life, that's the thing people remember about you. Folly stinks. It's, you know, you make one rash purchase and it dings your credit for a long time. It takes you all that time to save. You save, you save, you save, you save, you save, you save. How long does it take you to spend that money? Not very long. Money goes quick, doesn't it? Folly stinks. A little bit of it goes a long ways. Number two, there is an evil that I have seen under the sun. As it were, an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. I've seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. And I think what he's saying here is you can't outclimb folly. And I think you'd agree with this. Folly is at the highest levels of government. Folly is at the highest levels of business. Folly is in the biggest churches with the most impressive pulpits. Folly is everywhere. So you can't think, well, because I've climbed so high in whatever organization I'm in, I'm now immune to folly. That's just not the case. Folly is everywhere. Everyone is immune. I'm sorry. Everyone is vulnerable to folly. No one is immune. So first we said it stinks. A little bit of it goes a long ways. Second, we said, it is everywhere. Third, he who digs a pit will fall into it. 
and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. Did you ever see the, the clip um, of the coach? I think it was the old Michigan State coach. I can't remember his name. He's a short guy, a couple, couple generations, back in the 80s. He was really mad about a call, so he got the basketball, and he takes it, and he whips it, and it hits the, hits the hoop, and it comes back and hits him in the face. Have you ever seen that clip? It's kind of what this reminds me of, you know, like, he who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is endangered by them. If the iron is blunt, and the one who does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength, but wisdom helps one to succeed. So at our house, it's really fun to see who can... Uh, do the biggest log with a splitting maul. And we keep the splitting maul dull on purpose. Um, so it's just a manly sport, you know? And so the boys always threaten to cut down trees with it. You know, you can imagine taking the splitting maul, duller and... I mean, it doesn't matter which side you use. It's dull. <laughs> and you just hit that tree just as hard as you can. It just rattles back on you. Like, this is like fools, you know? It's like trying to cut down stuff without sharpening the edge. Like, they don't want to stop and sharpen the edge because they're in too, too big a hurry. We have to keep going. And it's just because you won't slow down and sharpen the edge, it will end up taking you longer. But wisdom sharpens your skills and helps you succeed. And if the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. I love that. You know, snake charmer, in too big a hurry to charm the snake. I don't have time to charm the snake. I got to mess with the customers. You know, can you imagine? Then the snake bites you. Charm the snake, dude. Calm down. So with uh, folly here, third characteristic, it hurries. So I used to work in a factory when I was in college. I was 19 when I had this job. And I was in charge. They, I was 19. I was in a hurry, and they trusted me with a high-low. <laughs> so uh, our racks, you know, this is, this is a picture from online where they're trying to sell you racks and stuff. Our racks looked nothing like that. Our racks were much more crowded than that. And uh, so I would get in a big hurry sometimes, and sometimes... <laughs> I would try to get the thing way up there, and we're talking hundreds of pounds, hundreds of pounds. And those, these beams are metal, right? And, and so I'm, I'm trying to slide it in way up high. It's like 15 feet in the air. And sometimes I would miss, and it would fall. We're talking hundreds of pounds of conveyor belt material falling 15 feet with the metal hitting metal or hitting the cement floor, just crash! <laughs> it was so embarrassing. <laughs> but I'd do it again the next week. <laughs> Other times, I would get it up and, get, you know, get it down, and I'd get it to the slitter, which is, you know, where it would unroll it, put it over a table, and then roll it back up. And it was my job to inspect the belts. And so I'd get it on the slitter, and I would be all ready to go, and I would, I would start, 
and then I, it would turn over, and, and, then, and then it would fall out because I had forgot to do the last step, which was put the safety pin in. So it would like smash. Like, when will I learn to slow down and do it right? I did not get fired. It just tells you how desperate they were for help, I guess. The maintenance guys knew me by name, though. I'll tell you what. Oh, here comes Nathan again, you know. Folly hurries. Folly says, I don't have time to do it right. I got to get this done. Folly says, I don't have time for all the steps. I don't have time for the process. We got we to gotta move. And Folly breaks down the wall and sticks his hand in and gets bit by a snake. Folly drops stuff from high places. You don't want to work with a fool when they're in a hurry because it's dangerous for everybody. Folly hurries. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. Hey, just, just before I go on, have, have any of these resonated with you yet? Any of these? Like, if folly stinks, you know, you do one, one thing wrong, and then people, that's all they remember forever. Or you, it, you can't outclimb folly, or folly's in a hurry. Has anything resonated with you yet? Like, maybe this one will, if nothing else has so far. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. Fools say stuff at really, really the wrong time to really, really the wrong people. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. So it's like they just don't have a filter. They just keep blabbing, and it gets worse and worse and worse the longer they talk. A fool multiplies words, I don't know how this is for you to read, but like, just be glad you don't talk for a living. (laughs) A fool multiplies words, though a man knows what is to be, and who can tell what will be after him. So a fool is like, well, I know how it's going to go, and he gives all these grand pronouncements, and who knows? Like, he can't know. The toil of a fool wearies him, though he does not know the way to the city. Do you recognize that? That You saw that in verse 3 as well. He does not know the way to the city. Fools don't think about destinations. Fools just do whatever feels good at the time. Fools just say whatever feels right to say at the time. Fools don't have a filter. They don't think about what's going to happen after they say that. They just want to say it, so they say it. So fools speak now and pay later. Folly speaks now and pays for it on the other side. I can't tell you how many times, man, I resonate so deeply with this. Like, I, I come home from a big event where I've been around people all day, and I think, man, I said this wrong, and I said that wrong, and I hurt those people's feelings without knowing it, and, oh, no, I'm going to have to apologize for that. And Like, when, when will I stop multiplying words and just say the the fewer things, when will I learn? The fewer things I say, the fewer things I'll have to apologize for. <laughs> Folly speaks now and pays later. Fifth, 
on folly. Woe to you, O land, when your, child is a, when your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. Happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of nobility and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Though the, through sloth the roof sinks in and through indolence the house leaks. So what's this about? This is about people who just don't want to face the work they have to do. And so they just refuse to face it. And eventually the roof sags and no one knows and no one cares because they refuse to see how badly they need to work on stuff. Bread is made for laughter and wine gladdens life and money answers everything. Even in your thoughts, do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich. For the bird of the air will carry your voice, and some winged creature will tell the matter. I've tried to pull these together, these proverbs together, these last couple of proverbs, in, under the theme of folly disregards consequences. And I, I think the proverb I'm looking to for the most to try to pull them together is verse 18. Through sloth, the roof sinks in, and through indolence, the house leaks. It's also the idea of feasting in the morning rather than getting up and doing your work. It's also the idea of not thinking about what will happen if you say what you want to say. So sometimes, I am starting to learn my lessons on this, sometimes we'll be walking out of a place and Cheyenne will say, hey, what'd you think about? She knows I'm about the most opinionated man on earth. And so she'll ask me, what did you think about this? And I'll be like, my voice carries. <laughs> I'm not going to answer that right now. <laughs> because I know like, stuff has consequences and little birds tell people stuff. <laughs> and I know I've got a preacher's voice whether I'm mic'd or not and I know they can hear me on the other side of the room even when I think I'm whispering. And maybe it's like that for you. Like, how, how do you kind of disregard consequences this is, I think this is a key characteristic of folly. Folly disregards consequences again and again and again and again. In all of these, I think that is a consistent theme. It disregards consequences. And closely related to that is the idea that the fool says in his heart that there is no God. Folly, or foolishness, thinks God is irrelevant and closely related is it disregards consequences. So as I walk through these five characteristics of folly, you might be sitting here going, I am so glad that's not me. You might be. Or you might be looking at these going, man, I have wasted so much time. I have caused so much hurt. You might be sitting here going, just, I am in a puddle of shame because of the stupid things I've done, the harmful things I've said. You might be looking at your life going, it looks like a smoking heap of ruins because of the folly I have lived time after time after time. I've got good news for you. Titus chapter 3, verse 3, addresses this very idea. Titus chapter 3, verse 3 says, We ourselves were once 
Do you remember from Titus? We were once foolish. Man, all of us were once foolish. All of us at one time or another thought God was irrelevant and disregarded consequences. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient. We knew what the right thing to do was, and we just didn't want to do it. So we didn't. Let astray. We've all listened to the voice of folly, and we've all gone after her, and we all know where that lands. Slaves to various passions and pleasures. The addictions that you feel like you just can't say no to. It's foolish. It's stupid. But you're like, I can't help it. Passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. It's where slavery to passions, being led astray, disobeying the Lord, that's where that ends up. This hatred, this mutual hate and anger and bitterness, and mistrust. And it's the result of foolishness. It's, it's the result of folly. It's where it all lands. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. You know, but folly is not the end of the story. But folly doesn't have to define you. Because God, in his goodness and loving kindness, appeared and he saved us. Man, that is so simple and so hard for us to get our hearts around. He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness. So, so I have this up there, I have the picture up there because this is, this is the general pattern of salvation in the Bible. You think, so you think of the Exodus. The Exodus, I mean, you, you know, this is Egypt. And so they're freed from Egypt, and they come out, and they cross the Red Sea. So I don't know where, but somewhere in here, they cross the Red Sea. They go into this, in the Sinai Peninsula, and they come down here to Mount Sinai, somewhere in here. And what does God do? He teaches them how to be his people, including he gives them the Ten Commandments. So, does God wait for them to figure out how to be his people up here where they're slaves in Egypt? And then once they figure it out and they discern the Ten Commandments and they start living it out, then he brings them to the promised land. Is that how the story goes? No. How does the story go? It's he saved them by grace, not because of works of righteousness that they had done. So he saves them. Then he teaches them how to be his people. Then he brings them into the promised land. We are saved by grace, not because of works done by us in righteousness. So you're not saved because you finally figured out how to be wise. You're saved in your foolishness. God saved you so that you would become wise. So don't think you have to reject folly and get super wise and then maybe God will like you. God loved you while you were a slave to those passions and pleasures that were causing you to hate 
yourself and hate them and be hated by them. You're saved by grace and not by works. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So the Holy Spirit does two things for us here that I'm going to try to pull together and say, he makes you new. Maybe you've wasted a lot of time on folly and you look back on the rubble of your life and all the bad habits you have and all the all the horrible things you've done god looks at you and says i can make you new that's regeneration and renewal of done by the holy spirit not by simply you're gritting your teeth and trying harder it's the power of the holy spirit that he pours out on you and makes you new Folly doesn't have to be the end of the story. Because of God's grace, he can make you new through the power of the Holy Spirit so that being justified by his grace, being justified means just as though we had never sinned. So we might look back and see miles of wreckage, of foolish behavior. But God in his grace says, I'll take the wreckage and I'll give you my righteousness. So that when I look at you, I don't see the wreckage, I see the righteousness of Christ. This is the great exchange. It's what it means to be justified by his grace. That we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life so that you'll inherit Eternal life with Christ. In spite, of, in spite of the wreckage that you've left behind. So here's the deal. We were once all foolish. Five characteristics of folly that characterized us at one point. But God decided not to leave us as fools. But he saved us by grace. Through faith, he came and saved us so that we could then live righteous and holy lives. So, we want to learn to hate folly and love wisdom because he saved us from folly towards wisdom. So if you had just a short time to live, I'd encourage you to get to know the grace of God and learn to hate folly and love wisdom. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the time we could spend in your word. And Lord, I do ask that you would help us see the folly of our ways when, when we're foolish. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to um, turn from it and hate it, learn to recognize the voice of folly and just despise it, and uh, learn to love the voice of wisdom, which is you calling to us through the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.